This week's Torah portion is the portion of Kisavoy, which literally means when you come to the land of Israel, Torah tells us you will plow the land, you will sow the land, and after the harvest, you will take from the first fruits, called the Kudin, and place it into a basket, and bring it to the Holy Temple, and offer it to the Kohanim, the priests, and then they will take the basket and bring it to the corner of the altar, sanctify it, and then they will eat from those first fruits. The concept of the Bukurim Mitzvah, the first fruits, represents the concept of gratitude. To thank Hashem for giving you the bounty and kindness and leisure that you have. But there are many details and many laws here in this portion that the Torah tells us and teaches us that we're going to learn and try to understand how to internalize it into our daily life. The very first verse begins, when you will come into the land, the God will give you, and you will possess the land through conquering it, and then you will dwell in it. Says Rashi, from here we learn that the Jewish people were not obligated to bring the Bukurim until they conquered the land and they divided the land, which is really 14 years. It took 14 years to conquer the land of Israel and to divide the land of Israel. And only then did this mitzvah of Bukurim begin and kick in. Now the question comes to mind as follows. If the mitzvah of Bikurim is a mitzvah of gratitude, of thanks, and God, you gave me food, and now I can thank you for it, why must I wait until the entire land of Israel is conquered, and the entire land of Israel is now divided amongst the tribes and people? If I have my house, I have my garden, I have my field, I have my fruit, why can't I fulfill the mitzvah of Bikurim now and not worry about the rest of the people, whether or not they are doing the mitzvah. It's about gratitude. I now owe my gratitude to Hashem. I now owe my gratitude to God. Therefore, I should have the obligation to bring up my fruit to the temple. And the answer is that the Torah is teaching us here the power of Abbas Yisrael, love for our brothers and sisters. And that is, one cannot truly be happy, and one cannot truly be satisfied, and one cannot be in a state of gratitude if I know my brother and sister have no roof over their head, if I know that my children or my parents have no roof over their head. So therefore, the Torah says, even though it's a mitzvah of gratitude, and we have to do this every day, yet at the same time, this did not begin, it was not initiated until every single family amongst all the tribes of Israel had their land, had their fields, had their orchards, and then all together we can feel a sense of thank you to God and gratitude. So from here we learn a tremendous lesson of Amos Yisrael, what it means to love your fellow man and woman as yourself, that even though you have everything, how can you feel complete if another person is truly lacking? So this is the first teaching that we find from the, the Torah portion.
Torah portion goes on to say that you should take from this fruit and place it into a basket and then bring it to the Holy Temple. Now, do we need the Torah really to tell us how to deliver the fruit from our fields to the temple? We can figure it out. We know we can have a basket. We will put it into a box. We'll put it into a car. We'll put it into a train. We'll put it onto a, to a horse and buggy. Why must the Torah use the terminology and you shall place it into a basket? Now it's interesting to note that the procedure of how it worked was when you planted and it began to grow, you would go into the fields and you would see the first fruit, let's say the first grape, or the first fig, or the first date that came out of the tree, and you would take, let's say, a red bendel, a red ribbon, and tie it around, and you would know that that was the first fruit. And when it was finally ready to be eaten, it was ripe, then you would pluck it off the tree, put it into the basket, together with all the other fruits, the seven fruits that Israel was praised with, the grapes and the figs and the pomegranates, and the wheat, etc., etc., and you would bring it up to the Holy Temple. It's interesting to note that the Rambam says, in the laws of Bikurim, chapter 3, an interesting halacha. He says, if you put the fruit into a silver basket, or a silver tray, and you gave it to the Kohen, the Kohen would then take the tray from you, take off all the fruit, and return the tray back to you. If you put the fruit into a wicker basket, then the Kohen would take the fruit together with the wicker basket, and keep the wicker basket. What's the difference between the wicker basket, and the silver basket? Now, if I'm giving the Kohen my fruit in a silver basket or a silver tray, and I'm a wealthy person, maybe I want to give the Kohen a gift. Maybe I want him to have the silver basket. Why does the Torah say no? When it comes to the silver basket or the gold basket, this goes back to the owner. When it comes to the wicker basket, then the Kohen keeps it. It's a very deep and esoteric concept here pertaining to the Kurim, the first fruits. In Kabbalah and Chassidus, we are told that the Kurim, the first fruits, represent the soul, the soul of the Jewish people. The word Kurim is from Bechor, first. And that we are the first that entered into the mind of God. Before God created the world, and He created the universe, and created all the galaxies, and all the cosmos, the first thought and the first intention and the first desire that he had was to create us, to create the soul of the Jewish people. This is called Bikurim. Now, in Alocha, in Jewish law, there were many gifts you had to give to the Kohen. The first was Bikurim, the first fruits. The next one is called the tithe, the truma. Truma is one-fiftieth of your grain, one-fiftieth of your fruit, you give to the Kohen. Now, the Bukurim precedes the Truma. Spiritually, Bukurim represents the souls of the Jewish people. Truma represents the Torah. Torah is Torah Mem, Truma. The Torah that was given in Mem 40 days. What is greater, the souls of the Jewish people or the Torah? 
says the Medrash that the first thing that entered into the Jewish, into God's mind, was the soul of the Jewish people. Even before the Torah. So we perceive the Torah. That's Bikurim. Now, the Bikurim has to be put into a basket. The basket is the body. The human body. We are the basket. And the purpose of the soul coming down into the basket is to serve God. As the Talmud says, I was only created to serve God. How do we serve God? By learning Torah, prayer, charity, but also by doing physical deeds, physical mitzvahs. Charity, lighting Shabbos candles, eating kosher, making a bracha before you eat, teaching others, helping others, physically going to visit those in the hospital, etc., etc. Physical things. What is more important, the spiritual or the physical? comes along Hasidus and says the objective is for the soul to go into the wicker basket. The wicker basket represents something which is very raw, something very physical, very down to earth. The objective of Torah, the objective of creation, the objective of the journey of the soul is not so much spirituality, to be aloof from the world and separated from the world, but rather to make a dwelling place for God in this world. And that is performed and created by the fact that we are involved with the everyday world. And by living our everyday life with ethics and values and consciousness and being concerned for the needs of others, that is the way we create this basket. That is the way the soul enters into the basket. And that's the way this now becomes glorified and sanctified before Almighty God. So this is the reason why the Torah tells us in particular that you have to place they be putting into the basket, place the food into the basket. Because for the soul to remain a soul, that's very nice. But that is not the ultimate objective. The ultimate objective is coming down to this world and performing God's deeds and making this world a better place and a more beautiful place for humankind and for Almighty God. In contrast to the silver basket. The silver represents kesef, is nichsoif nichsafi, represents spirituality, love and fear for God, love and awe of God, which is compared to silver and gold. That's also important, that's also valuable, and it's essential for our service to God. But at the same time, the objective, the purpose of everything is to come down to the physical, raw, everyday world. You then go on to say that after you bring the fruit, you make a prayer. And what do you say? Vanisa Vamarta, Lefesh and Mekecha, in verse number 5, and verse number 6, what do you say? We say that an Aramean tried to destroy my father, my father Jacob, my forefather. And then Jacob descended down to Egypt and, so, and sojourned there. And then he became a nation, great, strong, numerous, etc., etc. And then we cried out to God, and He heard us, our affliction, travail, our oppression. And God took us out of Egypt, and He brought us to this land, to Israel, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, here are the first fruits. I have a question to ask you. We only had two problems in history. That's it. Just, just two, no more. Right? <laughs> just, just, just an army, and I think of Lava, and try to kill Jacob. 
and another guy by the name of Pharaoh. We had nobody in between, nobody after, right? Yet, the Torah chooses only these two examples. Why only these two examples? Between, <laughs> between Lavan and, and Pharaoh, we have a few more in between. For example, Esau. Esau met up with, with Yaakov, and at that time he almost killed him. Miraculously, Yaakov walked out <coughs> unharmed. But, but throughout our history, every day we have problems. Why don't we add, you know, in history? And then we had the Romans and the Byzantines, etc., etc., you know. Go through all of these things every time you go to the Holy Temple. And bring our first fruits. We should give a whole list of the enemies, you know, who try to kill us. They try to kill us, we won't, let's eat. You know, every, every holiday. So, why only these two? And the answer is, because the Torah here is dealing with the semblance of permanence. In other words, we're trying to contrast other examples, other examples of where we dwelled in a place, yet it was not like Israel where we have our security and we have our protection and we have our own land where we can produce our own fruits, but rather other places that we lived in a permanent dwelling, but yet we lived under hostility, danger, and oppression. And the two cases that we have in history up until the Torah was given was Lavan and Pharaoh. For Lavan, Jacob lived in the house of Lavan for 20 years. But yet, he couldn't have his own field where he was able to bring these fruits. He was living under the jurisdiction of Lavan, the oppression of Lavan. Every day Lavan was counting his sheep and stealing his sheep, etc., etc., and then we went down to Egypt for 240 years, and we worked very, very hard. We slaved, and again, we had no autonomy. We had, we had, we had no land. We couldn't go and say, "Look, this is our first fruits." So now we're coming to the land of Israel, and now we have our own land, and now we're able to produce our own fruits in a place of security with our own army and protection. So this is gratitude. Thank you, God. Here are the Bikurim. Here are the first fruits. All of this is connected to today, which is on the Jewish calendar, the 18th of El, Chai El, the birthday of the two great luminaries, the Baal Shem Tov and the Alter Rebbe. Baal Shem Tov was born in 1698, the Alter Rebbe was born in 1745. Baal Shem Tov began the Hasidic movement, and the Al-Tarebbe began the Chabad movement. These two great luminaries changed Judaism as we know it for all generations. Two of the main concepts that were introduced by the Baal Shem Tov and the Al-Tarebbe. And introduced does not mean that it was innovated, but rather revealed and elaborated is the concept of, number one, Abbas Yisrael, the importance of loving your fellow Jew as yourself, literally as yourself, and to remove all labels and boundaries, but to have unconditional love. And historically we know that 
Jews were always making separations, especially in the time of the Baal Shem Tov. The, the learned did not talk to the ignorant. The shoemaker didn't talk to, to the shochet. Each one had their own shul, their own synagogue. They did their own thing. And each one found excuses why not to talk to the other. The Baal Shem Tov say that every single Jew is a child of God. Not only a child of God, but every single Jew is like an only child of God. So each one of us here is like God's only child. There's no one else in the world that exists besides us. And that is the love that God has for every single one of us. And more than that, not only like an only child, like an only child that was born to a parent at a very old age. So it's like Sarah, who was 90 years old, who finally gave birth to, to Isaac. Can you imagine how she felt after 75 years, praying every single day, three times a day, nudging God, making God crazy. Please bless me with a child. Finally having this child. Finally, you want it, here it is. Here you go, 90. Have a kid. Yitzchak. Can you imagine the love that, that Sarah had for, for that child? Now magnify this many times over for God's love for us. For God is infinite. So His love for us is infinite. And God's older than 90. So therefore His love for us is something which is beyond number. And this is the way we need to perceive our relationship with God every single day. So number one, Vashemto teaches us that each one of us is loved by God. Number two, Vashemto teaches us how we have to love another Jew. The same way, the same way God loves us, that with that same love we have to love another Jew. And furthermore, to be the simcha, to be joyous. As we say here, when you brought the Bikuri, it says in Torah, verse number 11, you shall rejoice with all the goodness that Hashem your God has given you. Historically, the Bikuri was brought in the summertime between Shavuot, Haldeh Shavuot, and the Haldeh Sukkot. That's a time of simcha. It's a time of joy because the vegetation, the harvest, the sun, you're outside. It's an amazing time of the year. People are expressing themselves, are out in the streets. This is a time of true joy. And so this is the time that we are able to celebrate the Bikurim, the first fruits. And similarly, the Altarebbe taught us this not only as a theme but also intellectually to understand how this works. And that the Abbas is to love another Jew is not only like Bikurim, the first fruit, which are on the tree, connected to the root, connected to the soil, alluding how the soul of every Jew is in heaven, which is pristine and perfect. No. Even when the soul comes down to this earth and it goes into a basket and you have individuality and each person has their own craziness and hang-ups, and philosophies, and politics, and colors. Yet, that is the meaning of Abba Yisrael. Even after that, even after all that mishigas and craziness, you still have to love that person. Now, it's not easy. No one said it's easy. But being Jewish is not easy. No, it's not. So this is, this is the mitzvah of Abbas Yisrael. This is the mitzvah of how it connects with Bikurim, the first fruit. It has to go into the basket. Even here, down here in this world, as individuals, with our own minds, our own thoughts, our own ideas, yet we have to agree 
to disagree and yet love them unconditionally. We conclude with the words, Hashkifa We ask God, look down from your heaven. And bless your people Israel. Says Rashi, what does that mean? Why does it mean look down? So Rashi, the classic commentator, the logician of the Torah, Rashi tells us very interestingly, very powerfully. Says Rashi, we have done what you have commanded us to do, God. Now you, God, do what you have to do for us. It's a pretty bold statement. It's a bold statement. God, we brought you the fruits. We made sure to put the ribbon around it. We brought it up to Jerusalem. We did ours. Now you do yours. So we see that we have a right to demand from God. And the Rebbe said, the same is true in our generation. That we have to turn to God and say, God, we, the Jewish people, are in exile almost 2,000 years. And we did what we had to do. We are putting a tefillin, and we eating kosher, and we're giving charity, and we're blowing the chauffeur, and we're lighting the candles, and we're being nice to each other, and we care for each other, we're helping each other, we're educating each other. We did what we had to do. Now you do what you promised us. Take us out of exile to bring an end to death, to bring an end to suffering, to bring an end to all pandemics. God, we did ours. It's time for you to do yours. And this is the mitzvah bikurim. Yes, we have to have gratitude. At the same time, we have the power to request of God, to demand of God. And God will hear our praise and ashkifah and kachacham and will truly look down from heaven and bless each and every one of his children his only children, with everything they need, materially and spiritually, especially this coming year, the year of Tavshim Gimel, to be a year of ploys, tremendous wonders, and the year of Kedus, of redemption, and Geula, with the coming of Mashiach, speedily in our days.